The following is a recording from ACF Church in Eagle River, Alaska. If you would like to join us, our services are Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We would love for you to be our guests. We hope you consider partnering in the work God is doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you would like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can safely give by texting the donation amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Well, hey, how's everybody doing? Good morning. That six of you are awake. Welcome to ACF Church. The sun is shining. You should be fully, fully present. So yeah, yeah I, I got it. I got it. Hey, I'm Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, welcome. I'm glad you're here this morning. And uh, how's summer going? You guys doing good? It's like Alaska, if you're new to Alaska, we're manic depressive, right? We're just depressed in the winter and then summer hits and we're crazy. And then the fall hits and we're like, what just happened? So um, that's kind of been my life already. Uh, things are already busy. I'm, I told Amanda this last week. I was like, I'm already kind of looking forward to fall because things have been just so busy already this spring. But um, in fact, we uh, we had a little bit of a slowdown for us. So my wife had a, a fairly minor surgery um, a couple of weeks ago, and the uh, the process of, of healing has taken a little bit longer than she had expected. And by the way, if you have uh, sent meals or cards, thank you so much. Our love language is food, and so when you feed us, it just means a lot. So anyway, um, in fact, I said that on Wednesday, and then like more meals showed up, so I'm not actually pleading for more meals. Uh, we're totally good, but thank you so much if that's been your way of just supporting us. Uh, just little cards and uh, encouragement for us, that's been great. But um, it's funny, if you don't know my wife Amanda, uh, she's not here so I can talk about her, it's great. Uh, she came on Wednesday. But she is, uh, she is always going. She's always moving. And so after surgery, it's a little like seeing like a Formula One race car going through a school zone. That's what my wife is like right now. So this last week, she, um, you know, as we came home, we spent five minutes on one stair. Five minutes, because the pain was just terrible. Anyway. Um, it's hard to slow down, isn't it? It's hard to slow down, but what it's forced us to do is to, to re-engage and look at like why we do the things that we do and to think about uh, this summer. In fact, she said yesterday, Brian, we should have sort of a plan and a vision for this summer. Uh, the kids are out of school, parents, right? It's like, isn't that bittersweet? You're like, yay, now you're in the house all day long. And so now you have to deal with that. And so Amanda was just like, hey, let's make a plan for what we want to achieve this summer, which I'm like, that's why we're married, because you're brilliant. That's a great idea. Let's make a plan for what we're about. And so this morning, what I want to talk about is, is the, big, the big why behind what we do. So we're in a series called Blind Spots, and, uh, and we're, we're walking through this, this letter or this book in the Bible called uh, the book of Ephesians. And it's written by a guy named Paul to this really young, early church, and he's encouraging them to learn what it means to relate to God and to relate to each other. And so a lot of young believers, people from different backgrounds, people who are from like a religious background, and people that were not coming together in this early church. And so he's really encouraging them uh, to, to, to learn what it means to have an identity in Christ. And so we all have blind spots. We have things that we don't see in our lives. And each week has been a different way of looking at our lives. So I'm hoping that as we talk this morning, you can re-engage with, with the why behind what you do. Um, I'd ask you this question, like, why are you here right now? 
Why, like, why did you show up to church? What was it this morning on a Sunday morning when the sun came out in Alaska that made you go, hey, let's get in the car and let's go to church and spend an hour in a building. Let's go do that. Um, maybe you're like, well, my, my wife told me I'm coming to church, so I'm here. Or maybe you have a friend that said, hey, buddy, get out of bed. We're going to church this morning. Um, you know, maybe this is your, your routine and you've got sort of this, you know, church background. And, and, and growing up, you just knew that Sunday morning, it, it just feels right being in church. So some of you are from the South. Anybody from the South? The Bible Belt? Okay. Wow, that's a lot of South. Okay, come on. Yeah, bring it on. Um, so in the South, the Bible Belt, right, that's part of the culture, isn't it, you Southern people? It's like you just, your church on Sunday morning um, is part of what they do. And so I want to ask you this question. Why do you do what you do? Why are you here today? What are you expecting to happen here? Anything? Do you expect anything to happen? Or is this just kind of part of the routine? Why do you have the job that you have? <laughs> You're like, that's a good question. Uh, I, I've wanted to do something different for a while. Why are you married, Right? And you better have a better answer than because I don't want to be single. Right, married people? That is not enough of an answer for when, like, his breath's all nasty, you know, in the morning. Or, like, you know, you're getting older and things are all migrating. Uh, physically speaking, uh, you know, things are getting a little bit ring. You know, you got to deal with a better, have a better reason why you're doing what you're doing to get through the hard stuff of life, right? So we do a lot of things. And here's what I think. I think when we get our why... We're going to know how, and we're going to know what. When we know what the why is, you're going to know what the how is, and you're going to know what the what is. And what I mean by that is, is when we understand who we are, and when we understand what our big vision is for life, it's going to help us know how to live life, what kind of person should we be, how do we walk uh, through these days, and then it's also going to help us to know what to do. And here's what I'm starting to think, because I was studying this this week. We will get to the text at some point, I swear. Um, but as I was studying this, this this week, what I realized is I'm starting to think that the why is even more important than the what. That we're going to do a lot of different things. And you might have this job and that job. You might live in this place or that place. You might, if you're a Christian or, uh, you know, a non-Christian who's just like serving here at ACF, which we have both. It's, it's awesome. Some people are like, I don't want anything to do with Jesus, but I like ACF, so I'm going to greet at the door or, you know, you know hang out and, and help and serve and work in the parking lot, you know. Um, and so what's going to happen is, is you're going to develop a why, a big vision behind what you do, and it's going to let you know what to do and how to do it. But what you do is going to always change. But why you do it needs to be solid and it needs to be decided. And so let's pray and let's ask God to give us a bigger why. Jesus, thank you for your word today. Thanks for the church. Thank you for sunshine and amazing Alaska summer and uh, all the plans that we have. God, we want to lay those things at your feet right now and ask that you would, uh, you would speak to us this morning. God, we're here for a lot of different reasons. I bet everybody in this room has a different reason to be here today. But God, could you help us to zoom out from uh, the things that distract us, maybe even the things that are driving us that shouldn't drive us, and God, give us a better vision for our lives uh, so that we can know what to do and how to do it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to be hanging out. If you want to grab a Bible, uh, you can also download the ACF Church app and all of the uh, all the notes and the scriptures will be on there if you want to follow along there. But uh, so we were in Portland a few weeks ago um, and uh, we were visiting, going to a conference, uh, a few of us, the staff and myself. And uh, so confession time. Uh, I always like that, right? Confession time. So when I, when I get in a rental car, I totally lose my religion. Like every single time. Anybody else struggle with this? 
yeah, a few of you, awesome. So um, if you know me, I'm, I'm totally a car guy. I like working on stuff. I like taking care of things and, uh, and fixing them. And so my vehicles, I just baby them. And I kind of drive like a grandpa a little bit. But there's something that happens in me, like when I when I get in a rental car and like I buckle the seatbelt, I, I, like I, like I, the devil comes out of me when I buckle the seatbelt. There's something about this moment when I buckle up that I turn into a different person, and I come screaming out of PDX, you know, and the whole staff's in there like holding on to the armrest, you know, and it's like break, stop, break, stop, and. I don't know if I feel just like entitled to destroy this vehicle because I paid to use it or what it is that the logic in my head, but I turn, I turn into a different person. And, you know, then I returned the car and I was thinking this week, like, I have never thought, hey, I'm going to return this rental car. You know what I should do? I should probably change the oil, you know, before we get it brought, you know, just take care of it a little. Maybe I should vacuum the car. You guys know, like when you're in a rental car, you spill your, spill your chips or your whatever down in the cracks of the seat. You're just like, it's a rental, right? That's what you say every time. It's a rental. And I've just never thought, like, maybe I should, I don't know, rotate the tires before we bring it back. And here, here's the thing. The, the difference there between my stuff and that stuff is something called ownership. Ownership. Now, if you've been part of ACF Church for a little while, what you know about us is that we don't have something called membership. And if you've been to churches for a while, you know that churches have what's called a membership. And we, we don't like that term a whole lot. And part of the reason is that, like, you can get a membership at Costco. You can get a membership at Sam's Club, at Alaska Club. And a membership kind of says, like, what can you do for me, right? I get a membership so that you can come and serve me and make my life better. But then there's something called a partnership. I don't know if you've been a partner in a business or a partner in a project. But what you know about partnership is that when you're a partner, you're going down with the ship. Like, like you have committed to be part of this thing. And so if it succeeds, I succeed. If it fails, I fail. And so what we didn't want is a community, a church full of members. We don't want members, you know. You can get memberships a lot of places and show up and say, hey, what can you do to serve me? But we want to be a church of partners. People who say, hey, the kingdom work that we have in this city and the church that we have right here, if it succeeds, I succeed. Why? Because I'm part of the body of Christ. I'm part of the family of God. And so when the family of God succeeds, I'm part of that, and I feel that. And when the family of God hurts, and when it's broken, and when it's not doing what it was called to do, I feel that as well. You see, here's the thing. I think we need a bigger why behind everything that we do. I think we need a deeper why. And when we have that deeper why, it's going to give us, it's going to give us ownership over those things. Some of you have lost that feeling of ownership at your job. And you show up every day, and you're like, why am I here? I think this. I think every work needs a why. Like, everybody's work needs a why. Everything that you put your hands to. And, and you know, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, and you're just you're taking care of the kids, and you've forgotten why you did this, you know? And, the, like, well, I got pregnant is not a good enough reason for having kids, right? You need a deeper why. You know, maybe, maybe you're in the Army or the Air Force and you're showing up and, you know, maybe you're loving it or maybe you're just wishing you could get out of your commitment. And you're like, could I just get out of here? I don't know where you're at, but what if there could be a deeper why behind that? I think everybody's work needs a why. You need to know why you're doing what you're doing. Here's, here's what I think. I think uh, without a big why, we're going to make decisions that, that cater to our comfort but constrain our calling. We're going to make decisions that cater to our comfort but, but constrain our calling. And, and, and here, here's what that looks like. I am driven by happiness and comfort. Anybody else? 
Anybody got a lazy boy chair? Like that drives my day. I just want to go sit in that chair. I just, I, I love comfort. Um, I love comfortable shoes. I love it, you know, when the house is comfortable. I like squishy carpet in my house, you know. I, I like it when the house is nice and warm in the winter and cool in the summer. We are driven by comfort. I like to be happy. I like to have a smile on my face. I don't want to um, feel pain. I don't, I, don't, I don't like it when I'm in a situation that I don't know why I'm there or I'm not enjoying that. So we need a bigger why to drive us. Otherwise, every, every one of our decisions is going to be driven by comfort. And what's going to happen is ultimately... We're going to miss out on our calling. It's going to constrain what we're intended to do because you guys who have done anything of value know that everything of value takes work and it probably hurt a little bit to get there, right? If you're an amazing athlete, you know that you worked really hard to get to where you're at. If you own a business, you know that it didn't start off being easy. In fact, maybe it's even harder today than it was when you started. But you see something growing, something that's awesome. You've got a vision for something that's going to be really great and you know that it's worth it but it took a lot of work to get there. See, if you don't have a, a vision that's greater in your life, you're going to always, always kind of default to comfort, to what's easiest, and you're going to miss out on the things that you're intended to do. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. So Paul's going to start off a little bit by talking about the big why, like some of the things that's driving him. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So here's Paul, and we've said this a few times. Paul is writing this letter from prison, which I'm guessing um, wasn't part of his big life plan, you know? I'm guessing when he was younger, he wasn't like, I just want to go to prison at some point for what I believe. But he wants to start off in all of the section by reminding the reader and reminding that early church as well as us that he's in jail right now. And he, and he says, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. He's, he's walking in a manner worthy of his calling, and it's taken him to prison. It's taken him to jail. Here's the thing. That's Christianity. If you're going to follow Jesus, it's going to hurt sometimes, and it's going to take sacrifice. And I know this doesn't sound sexy at all, right? But that's how church and Christianity actually is. Can I say that? Anyway, that was weird. Um, bad choice of terms. But it doesn't sound like, oh, yeah, Brian, sign me up for Christianity. I might go to prison. But Paul wants to start off by reminding you, like, if you're going to be a believer, if you're going to follow Jesus, just so you know, I'm living in a manner worthy of my calling. I'm in jail. What's it going to look like for you to live in a manner worthy of your calling? Worthy of your, We talked about this a few weeks ago, that you are sons and daughters of the king when you become a believer. And so you have this privileged life as a son and a daughter. And he's, he wants to start you off by saying, live to your privilege. Live to the honor in which you've received as sons and daughters of the king. So that's kind of some big vision, some big why. Then he's going to go down here. He's going to talk about some of the how. He says to walk first with humility, with all humility. And that's our first point. So humility, when you look up like what that term actually means, it simply means to know your place. Simply means to know where you exist. It doesn't mean to think too lowly of yourself. Humility doesn't mean like walking out of church today and saying, I'm a terrible person. I can't stand myself. I don't know why anybody likes me. It means to know your place. Like yesterday, my son was at the table, and for whatever reason, he was like, Brian, would you pass the pepper? <laughs> Brian, can I get some more food? And it was really cute for like five minutes, and then it wasn't cute anymore. I'm like, son, remember your place, right? 
remember your place. Not that I want my son to think any less about himself than he should, but I want him to know his place in, in our family. And so Paul wants to start off by saying, hey, hey, as you walk out your calling, you need to walk in humility. Another term would be lowliness. And this term, this term humility or lowliness is used like over 250 times in the Old Testament. And it's almost always to refer to somebody who wasn't humble, but was made humble. Now listen, that's a, that's a big difference, isn't it? It's a big difference between being hum- somebody who's humble and somebody who's being made humble. Have you ever been made humble? You ever thought you were totally right and you weren't? You ever walked down a road convinced that you were doing the righteous thing and you found out, I was completely deceived. Like, I was totally blind to what was going on. Do you have people speaking into your life, trying to keep you out of the ditch, and you're like, why are you trying to you know, mess with my fun? Why are you trying to take away my, 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 my enjoyment over here? Like, why are you trying to mess with me here? And then you find out later, no, they were actually trying to help me. There was some wisdom there. That's what humility is. And there's two kinds of people. There are people who walk in humility and those who God humbles. We want to be people who walk in humility, right? I don't want to be humbled by God. I've been humbled by God. It hurts. Paul's saying, let me save you some pain. Walk in humility. Walk in lowliness. The second way to walk is in gentleness. Gentleness. Another term is meekness. Do you like that term, men? You like to be meek? Sounds like weak, right? Just They rhyme, so they must be the same. Meekness and weakness are not the same thing. Meekness is in gentleness. He's literally saying to, to put somebody else's needs above your own. That's what it means to be meek scripturally, is, is to put somebody else's needs above your own. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you love to be that person who's always putting other people's needs above yourself? Sounds great, right? That's hard. It's hard to do that. It's hard. Anybody, anybody hate sharing food? Anybody like not a food sharer? That's my wife. Like when we're out to dinner, like she would rather get a whole nother package of french fries or a whole nother order of french fries than me take three of hers. She will not share three French fries. It's the same if we're eating ice cream. She would rather get me a whole other ice cream than let me take two bites of her ice cream. She is not a food share. That's just not her thing. See, this whole idea of meekness is, is like letting things go, letting somebody else take the lead, letting somebody else's desires take precedence over yours. That's so hard to do. Another way to put it would be to waive your rights. To waive your rights. We don't like that one, right, Americans? right? We live in America. I live in America because I got rights as American. I, I, I love that we have rights, but to be meek is to be somebody who waives their rights, who recognizes that like, hey, I don't deserve anything. And here's the thing. If you're a believer here today, you know what the Bible calls you? The Bible calls you bond servants. The Bible calls you slaves to God. Now that terminology brings up all kinds of baggage, but he was, he's trying to communicate is that when you follow God, You've been bought with a price. Like what you have in salvation, if you're a believer, was not free. Amen? Amen. It was not free. You were bought with a price. And so as somebody who has been bought with a price, you're willing to say, hey, I'm going to put my desires and my rights on the back burner, and I'm just going to do what is right. I'm going to do what is right in the moment. It's interesting that Jesus, even in the Beatitudes, he says what? Blessed are the, the meek those will be the ones who inherit the kingdom of God. The, the meek, those who lower themselves and realize they've been bought with a price. The third way he says to walk out your calling is in patience. He says, with patience, bearing with one another 
in love. So patience literally here, another term is long-suffering. That's a cool old term, isn't it? Long-suffering. It simply means to have a really long fuse. So does, does this describe you? You know, do you have a long fuse? Are you the kind of person that, you know, when the person's next to you on the couch and they've got the, 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 you know, the bowl of salsa and the bag of chips and you're watching a TV show, you know, and you're trying to listen to it and they're like, that's it's okay, right? Don't point fingers, I see you. Right? And you just, your blood starts boiling. And at some point you just like pause and you're like, are you done or what? Right? And that's kind of a small thing, but do you have a long fuse with people? Are you the kind of person that, you know, you might get frustrated, but it's going to be a long journey. It's going to be a long process. Or do you just snap? And some of us, it just depends on the situation, right? I was talking with a friend earlier this week, and he was talking about how, like, when he, when he gets in traffic, so I lose my religion when I rent a car. When he is in traffic, he loses his religion, you know? And he's, he's just like, I say things when I'm in traffic that I would never say to another human being ever in my life. But within the safety of these windows with nobody else in the car, you would blush at what comes out of my mouth if you, if you heard me speak during traffic, you know. But for him, that's like, that's just what sets him off. And he's a patient guy. But traffic, right? Traffic is it. What is it for you where you're like, I lose it in this situation? Zero patience for this thing or this type of person. There's a type of person maybe in your life and you're like, yeah, when that person's around, I just, I got no, I got no grace for that person. What is it? Paul wants us to be patient people, long-suffering. Why do do you think he wants that for us? It's interesting. All these things and more are something called the fruit of the Spirit. If you read Galatians 5, you read the fruit of the Spirit. That when you follow God, you have the Spirit of God within you. And things like humility and gentleness and patience are things that are going to flow out of you. And it may take work and it may be a process. And sometimes you just have to bite your tongue. But these are a sign that that God is working within you. And Paul is saying, whatever your calling is, whatever you are here on this world to do, walk it out in humility, in gentleness, in patience. It's the best way to live. So here's what I want to do. I want us to reassess our, our calling. I want you to just, I want you to just kind of like think for a second, like, what am I really here to do? Like, what's the purpose of all the different areas of life that I find myself in? I want you to reassess your calling in your work. I want you to reassess your calling in your recreation, in your friendships, in your ministries, and in your finances. What is the why behind all of these things? And I know you don't have time to do this right now, but this might be something that you take home tonight And that you spend some time, you know, when it's quiet this evening, asking yourself, do I have a bigger why behind all of this stuff? Because here's the thing. I think a lot of people settle. um, They they settle for results rather than reasons to do things. So if I asked you again, why do you have kids? You're like, well, I got pregnant. So um, that's a result. Like, what, why are you raising your children? Well, because they'll put me in jail if I don't, right? The, you know, I can't just leave them out on the curbside. I tried, right? And somebody found me and they gave the kid back. Um, like, you can't just leave, leave the kids out. You have to raise your children. So I have to, that's not a very motivating why, is it? Like, is there anything deeper than that? Like, what if, what if those kids, like, what, what if your, your goal here in life is to create children who reflect the glory of God? 
Like, what if your goal in life, I, I pray this for my son every night. We pray for our kids. We go in their bedrooms. You know, they're super cute when they're sleeping, aren't they? Um, yeah, they're great when they're sleeping. Um, so I pray over my son. I, I pray that it'd be, he'd be a man of grace and of honor. And I pray every night that he's going to tell a lot of people about Jesus. And I feel like for me, what I'm, that, he's not listening. He's sound asleep. But I feel like in some ways I'm, I'm, I'm recasting the vision to myself. And I'm praying those things, but I'm remembering for myself why I do what I do. Why am I a dad? What's the whole purpose of that? So, so 1 Corinthians 10, Paul talks about the bigger vision, the bigger why behind all of our lives. So if you've been waiting this whole time, like what is it, Brian? What's the big why? Where do we land? Here's where it is. Paul says, whether you eat or whether you drink, do all for the glory of God. Whether you eat or whether you drink, do everything for the glory of God. So I want to tell you today, that's the big why behind our lives. That's the big why. That's, that's why we're here as people to honor and glorify God. And so if you, as you look at those things in your life and you answer why, if your why doesn't involve glorifying God, then you're going to lack joy and you're going to lack peace and you're going to lack hope and you're going to lack vision in your life. And if you're here today and you're like, well, Brian, I'm not a believer. I'm not a Christian. I don't really follow Jesus. This is what's missing in your life. We were always created as beings to worship and to honor God. And that was what was so perfect in the garden with Adam and Eve as they walked in perfect unity with God. They lived beautiful lives of worship, working. They worked in the garden. They, they, they served. They did all kinds of things. And I, I always tell people this, like, if you hate work, you're going to hate heaven because you're going to work in heaven. Like, this doesn't go away. You were created to, to create things and to work uh, on things, just like God creates things and works on things. We have the image of God on us, but, but we have a different reason to do those things. We do, do those things to honor God and to lift him up. And so what's missing, I think, in so many people's whys is that they, it doesn't involve glorifying God. It doesn't involve worship. You're created to be a, a being of worship. And so you settle for results. Well, why do you have this job? Well, because I don't want to be homeless, so I need to make a few bucks. That's a result, you know? Why do you go to church? Well, I don't know. I just kind of want to be a better person. You know, I want to learn a few things about the Bible. Do you have anything deeper than that? You see, those are results. You're going you're gonna to hear some things. You're going to hear a message. But when you have a deep why, when you see yourself as a being of worship, all the things that you do are going to take on a new vision and a new light. And you're going to wake up on Monday morning probably a little more excited to go to that job you hate. And you're going you're gonna to deal with your kids maybe with a little bit more grace. And you're going to deal with that friend who is just crazy annoying a little differently because you've got a bigger vision in your life about friends and having friends than just, I don't want to be lonely. I have friends because I don't want to be alone. If there's a bigger vision, you're going to act differently. So these are all signs of somebody who has a vision. Have you seen somebody who's lacking a why, lacking a vision? Have you ever, have you ever seen like, you know, the kid at, uh, you know, the fast food restaurant that's like typing in the numbers and you're just like, you have no vision for why you're here, right? But what's so crazy about that is then you'll see another kid who's super excited about what they're doing. Or you're going to get checked out on the, you know, on the way out through the drive-thru, and you're like, that person was stoked to give me my hamburger. What is going on in them? They probably caught some kind of why. Somebody gave them a bigger vision, a bigger reason to do what they do. See, we, we are made for reasons. We need reasons 
not simply results. Results don't motivate. Results don't drive us. And results will change, right? If you're driven by results and you get an F on the test, then, then who are you now? Right? If you're driven by results and you end up in a divorce, who are you? Who are you? If all of your life is driven by results, you're going you're gonna to lack peace. But when we, know how, when we know who Christ is, we know we're beings of worship, we run everything we do through that filter, it's going to change, I believe, how we live. I want you to reassess everything that you do. I want to close out with this. I think the church is like any other relationship. You're going to get what you give. If you're married, you know this. If you give 20%, you're going to get 20% out of your marriage. You give 10%, you're going to get 10% out of your marriage. You know this with your friends. You know We want people to serve us. We want people to love us. But if that's all you give, that's all you're going to be getting. Let's close out with, with, with more of the vision. Paul wants to give us a vision here. In verse 11, he says, now this is some of the what. This is some of the what to do. He says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. So he talks about these are different offices in the, in the church. Like apostles, these are people who saw Jesus, who actually experienced him and maybe followed him. And, and you can imagine how strong the testimony would be of somebody who had actually seen Jesus with their eyes. Because if you're here and you're a believer, then you know like, hey, you have a story of when Jesus came into your life or maybe you saw something that caused you to believe that God is real, Jesus is real. For these people, it was like, yeah, I actually followed him. Touched his hand. Walked with him. Laughed with him. You know, I knew Jesus. So they had this powerful testimony. He talks about apostles, prophets. These are people who are speaking the words of God. That's how our Bible was created. People who spoke from God to the people. Prophets, he talks about evangelists. Some of you are so good at this, you just, you overflow with the good news of Jesus. Like when you meet somebody new, or you, you see that moving truck down the street, you go bring them cookies, you know? You're like, hey, are you new to town? And then you're like, hey, what church do you go to? And you just start inviting them to be part of the community. It's just, it, it just flows out of, you don't even get nervous anymore. It's not even weird for you anymore. You just talk to people. A, a friend of mine was, uh, was getting his car worked on this week. And he was just at the shop talking to the shop owner. And he's like, hey, do you go to church? And the guy's like, no. He's like, well, you should come, come to church. He came to church last week. It, it's just, it flows out of some people so naturally to invite them to be part of this community, to, to tell them the good news of Jesus. That's, that's an evangelistic gift. He talks about evangelists. He talks about shepherds. Shepherds are people uh, who love to care for people. Uh, we don't really get this illustration too much. Anybody got sheep? We got pet sh Okay, so no sheep. All right. I thought I saw somebody. <laughs> There's always one person. I'll go to sheep. No, you don't. Um, we don't really get this whole idea, but shepherds and sheep had a really, a, a really special relationship in this time where, where like a sheep is kind of a really weak, dumb animal for the most part. You know, they're just not that strong. They're not that smart. And they kind of need the shepherd. Otherwise, most of them don't live long at all. So a shepherd is just somebody who knows how to care for people. You're the kind of person that, you know, you just see somebody who's maybe a little down, struggling with some stuff, and you're like, hey, can we get together for coffee? I just, I want to go out of my, my way to, to help you. A shepherd is the kind of person that pulls the best out of people. You know, that person that you love to hang around because they just seem to make you better. You just want to be better when you're around that person. They, they draw the best out of you. Shepherds, and then teachers, 
that's kind of what we're doing this morning. Some of you have such an understanding of the word and of what it means to actually follow Jesus. And, and there is a difference between somebody who just teaches the word and somebody who helps you follow Jesus. Because we can become really smart, but we can become no closer to Jesus at the same time. So we don't want to be a church of people who know the word but don't actually do the word. A teacher, a true teacher, is somebody who helps you understand it and then helps you see how to do it. So I don't know, these are, these are positions in the church, but you've got gifts. You've got abilities. Like God has given you stuff in your life and everything about you has been given to you, like I said, not for you, but like he said, to build up the church. He says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ. And then he's going to give us some more of the why at the end here. He says, until we attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint in which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So that's the bigger picture. He's like, I want you guys to mature. I want you to, want you to grow from being children of the faith to adults in the faith. And you guys, I feel like this is where ACF Church is a little bit. I don't know if you guys know the story of kind of where we've come from. So like eight years ago, we were, we were 30 people in this room. So we had these curtains, those curtains, that went straight to the back of the room, just these center rows. And uh, 30 people in here is super empty, you know, and uh, I was up here leading worship. A man named Rod Pepping was preaching, and we were working together to, to just kind of basically replant this church in a new location. And, and, and a lot has happened. A lot, a lot has happened, and I feel like we've grown a lot, and the church is always changing. Some of you are brand new. Some of you have maybe been here since then, which is awesome. We have a few people who have been here from the very beginning of that time, of that season. But I feel like as a church, we're kind of in this season of maturing where I feel like God is saying, hey, no longer, it's not enough to simply know the word or simply know what's right. I want you guys to do what's right. It's not enough to simply have a gift and to use it for yourself. I want you to use it for the building up and the maturing of the church. I think that's why you got the gift that you got. Nothing you have was given simply for you. And Paul's saying, hey, everything that you have is to help you to grow up into mature manhood. And that, that means personally as well as corporately. So we as a community... ACF Church will never be mature if you as an individual are not mature. Do you get that? Like what people say about ACF Church is simply the sum of all of its parts, you know? If we in general, if the community of ACF Church is a mature people, people who use their gifts, then we're going to see awesome stuff. We're going to see revival in Eagle River. We're going to see people like empowered by the Spirit of God to do things they could have never done on their own. We're going to see miracles happen. We're going to see the church rising up to be the church in new ways. So that's, that's like, that's my vision for this. That's, I feel like God's vision for the church. Or as individuals, you can keep doing what you're doing. You can leave church today. You can go home. You're like, well, that was interesting. <laughs> what was he all fired up about? I don't know. You know? And you can just go on doing what you're doing. Go back to your routine. Go back to what's comfortable. And keep doing that. But it's up to us as individuals, to be maturing as the church. And you guys, I just think, I think Eagle River's ready. I, th I think Eagle River is primed and ready for the church, not just our church, but the church of Eagle River, to rise up 
and for people to operate in the gifts that they were given. And think about it. Think about if everybody, so if we have like, you know, a thousand people on a week here at ACF Church, if every one of those people was operating in their gifts, fully empowered by the Spirit, and you guys were all doing each individual little thing that you're so good at, or you were developing that gift that you have ignored because you didn't want that gift. You wanted somebody else's. But, you know, it's like, well, that's what I'm good at. I'm going to do that. I'm going to sacrifice to make that happen. And everybody did that. I don't think anybody would be able to deny that God's at work in our city. And that's what happens when the church is empowered. That's what happens when people are willing to sacrifice and they're willing to give of themselves fully, not 10%, 20%, but 100% of yourself. Not for ACF Church, you guys. Listen, um, we're going to talk about ministry stuff here a little bit, but you need to know that we're about a bigger vision of the kingdom of God in our city. We're about a bigger vision. So I want you to grab that card on your seat. And that little card is, uh, is just a few ways that you can serve here at ACF. And if you don't know what we're about, if, you, if you're like, what is, what's the whole purpose here? Here's the why. I mean, other than being beings of worship, which is what we all are here to do, we as a church are here to amplify the grace of Jesus to the church, to the unchurched, and the dechurched. We see a lot of people come into Eagle River who are churched, who, you know, just need a place to be part of, a community uh, to, to be part of, and so we want to amplify the grace of Jesus to them. We see people who are part of Eagle River who don't have a church background. If you talked about, you know, Noah and the ark, or if you talked about, you know, Adam and Eve, or, you know, if you talked about any of the old kings of the Old Testament, you know, whatever the story is that you're so familiar with, they'd be clueless. And then we have the de-churched. We have a lot of people, I think, in our church to fit in this category where you were wounded by the church. You went when you were a kid, you hated it, right? Um, or you went and you were like, this is a waste of my time. I have no reason to be here. And we have people who come to Alaska, they're a long ways away from home, and they're trying church again. So that's a big crowd. So that's what we're here to do is just show grace, amplify grace. That's what we're here to do. And so these things that you have on that sheet, they're just simple ways to do that. I love our greeters. Say what's up to the greeters in the back. Wave to them. Aren't they awesome? The people in the Love All Serve All shirts, aren't they great? Hey, give them a hand. Aren't they awesome? Yeah. So they show up early. They leave late. They pick up your Starbucks cup. Um, you know, they make sure your inserts on your seat or your, your, your cards are there. They, they give you a smiling face. They make sure that there's coffee. People brew coffee out in, the, out in the lobby. They make sure you've got something to hold on to because you're nervous and you're awkward and you're like, I don't really want to meet people, but I feel more comfortable with the coffee in my hand. They, this is what they're here to do. And I love these people. I mean, we have people serving downstairs and illuminate. They're telling your kids about Jesus. They're not just babysitting your children. Every week, they're worshiping together. They're, they're showing love to kids. Some kids come into this church, have messed up homes. And, and this might be the only, like, smiling face they see from an adult in a week. And so that's what they do down there. They pray over your babies. As your babies are in the, in the nursery down there, they're praying over your children. That's what goes on down there. It's a bigger picture than simply, we don't want to build a church. We want to build the kingdom, you guys. We are here to build the kingdom of God, and it's happening. And so my question for you is, Will you be a part of it? Just look at me. We need you. Every single one of you, we need you. Like, we cannot do what we're supposed to do as a community if you're not involved. And you're like, well, that's easy for you to say. You've got the microphone on. No, listen, you have a gift, and God has given you specific things. And whether it's shaking hands or watching kids or, or giving financially or whatever it is, you need to do that with all of your heart, not with just part of your heart. And if you're here today and you're lacking motivation to do what it is that you've been doing, I want you to reassess your why. 
I told our staff this week that I was going to talk about this, and their eyes just got really big. And Mason, our worship leader, he was like, so you're telling me you're going to ask everybody to uh, second-guess their commitment to God and their commitment to the church. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Um, but I feel like the potential here is so much greater for the good than it is for the bad because I believe in you guys. I mean, sure, somebody might be like, yeah, why do I go to ACF? I'm, gonna, I'm out, right? Or you might be like, yeah, why do I watch kids every week? Or, you know, why do I show up and brew coffee? You might not have a good reason for that and just bail out. But here's what I think. I think the odds are way better that, you've, that if you leave what you're currently doing, you're going to find something that you're supposed to be doing. I think the odds are way better for that. And I think the odds are way better that you might not need a new what. You might need to stick in it and do exactly what you're doing, but do it with some vision. Do it with a purpose. Do it knowing that you're not just here brewing coffee, playing guitar. You're not out front sweeping rocks. You're, just, you're, you're, you're actually building the kingdom of God. When you catch that, you guys, the results are some joy, some peace, some excitement, some vision, some purpose, all the things that we all want. And you're going to get those things through serving. You're going to get those things through being a being of worship, through honoring God in everything that you do. So I want you to reassess. Why do you work? Why do you have the relationships that you have? Why are you in the ministry that you're in? What are you doing what you do financially? Like, what is the purpose in everything? Why, do you, why are you going out camping this weekend? There can be a bigger purpose. We have things called social groups at ACF Church. We're just trying to get you out doing amazing things in Alaska that you're already loving to do, just inviting people to do them with you. That's all we're saying. Take what you do and then invite that person that is new to ACF Church that doesn't have a community to be a part of and say, hey, we're all going to go four-wheeling this weekend. Do you have a four-wheeler? Well, yeah. Come with us. Hey, we're all going running this weekend with a big group. Do you want to go running? Sure. And all of a sudden, what you already love has a, has a purpose and a greater vision, and you're going to love it even more, I tell you. You're going to love it more than you ever have. So give of your whole self. Invest yourself. I think that God's going to work through it. Work through it greatly. Let's pray together. Oh God, I just feel like there's so much for us to do. And God, I just know that I've settled for less in my life. And... God, that left to my own devices, I want to be comfortable, I want to feel successful, I want to be happy. Um, God, I have my dreams, and, and many times those dreams don't involve me. And God, I know that's why I lack peace. And so, Father, would you just give us all a greater vision? God, if there's somebody here today who's, God, who's here going, well, I don't have that vision of being a person of worship because I'm, I'm not a believer. God, I pray that today could be the day that they make a choice to follow you. That today would be the day that, God, we all put all of our own dreams aside and, God, we take up your dreams to the world and we see that what if your dreams are going to give us more joy than we ever could have experienced pursuing our own things? God, what if you want to be part of every facet of our lives? And, God, when we do that authentically, we're going to see lives changed. We're going to be part of something so much bigger than us. And we're going to experience the joy and the peace we've been looking for. So God, we commit ourselves to you. We commit our hearts to you and our lives to you. God, we ask that you transform us. And that, God, I pray that nobody would leave this room without a bigger why in their lives. God, you're so good, God. You pulled us out of darkness. You drew us up into light. God, you, you took on the, God, the weakness of humanity, the skin of humanity. You made yourself nothing, God, so that you might raise us up. 
into new life. So God, make us a humble people. Make us a gentle people. God, make us a patient people. And I pray you'd be lifted high as we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you guys. Thanks.